like I said at the beginning, it's, it's really good to be back with you. Um, that's not just sort of a pastoral thing to say, like you pay me to tell you this, that it's good to be with you or something like that. Um, I, I actually miss being with you guys after a couple of weeks. And it's this interesting dynamic where um, going back to Ontario, it, it felt like a relief to put things down for a little while. And yet coming back, I couldn't wait to, I was, I was anticipating just being with you again and, and continuing on in what God is doing here. Um, it's brought life in a way that I, I, I used to experience vacation where I would, I would go to Ontario and then come back and, and I'd sit in the parking lot there because I had trouble walking through the doors. Um, and I, I, I came back through these doors uh, and have over the last number of times as God's just done work here. Uh, and in me, and I, I, I come back through the doors and I don't even need to be here. It, it's like I choose to, and there's this excitement and anticipation, um, as well as just this sense of community. And I, I, so I came in here on Friday, I had landed on Thursday night and I came in here on Friday, um, just to pray in the sanctuary for a little while, pray for you, um, pray for today. Um, but it's, it's really good to be back. Um, I really do mean that, um, uh, I do want to thank um, those of you who, who made sure that things happened while I was not around. Thank you, Roy. Thank you, Joel, for making sure that Christmas Eve, um, I assume it went okay, but <laughs> uh, anything that didn't go okay is on me. But thank you for the part that you guys played. Uh, and thank you to all of you who did readings and that kind of thing to, to make Christmas Eve uh, a celebration and a worshipful experience. I did I did grieve that I was actually not here with you for that. Um, but I, I uh, appreciate that you guys did that. Thank you. Thanks, Joel, for covering and introducing Kruma last week. Thanks to, to Jeff and Kruma. Not that I expect them to be listening to this, but um, I really do appreciate that I've got some, some friends in town um, who are just so deeply, deeply passionate about Jesus and, and his word and his spirit and his work in this world and, and look forward to coming here because they love you. Um, it's really quite special. Um, it, and it's so interesting to me seeing over and over again how when I invite um, people like Jeff and Kruma, I don't tell them what to preach on. In fact, I don't think I even told them what I had been preaching on. And sometimes I've done that with speakers where I'll, I'll tell them, oh, yeah, I'm going through Galatians right now, preach from any other book. Um, but I, I didn't even do that with these guys. And, and yet I've seen a number of times as they have come how God has weaved the things that he has been saying and doing here into the things that he was telling them to speak about without them knowing. It, it, it's really quite interesting to see. It, it's, it's an amazing thing. And it, it speaks volumes about the, the prayer lives and the, the sensitivity of people like Jeff and Kruma who can come in without instruction and step into the flow of the spirit and what God is doing in this particular place. Uh, it's, it's something to be admired. Um, and I, I have, I've been able to invite people I admire um, here. And so I, I don't just sign up any pinch hitter. Um, it, it's been really special. So I really appreciate that they have come. And thanks to the, once again to those of you who, who made sure things were happening while I wasn't here. Christina, Marco, there are more. Um, so I haven't got all of you, but thank you. Um, I do appreciate it. Would you grab your Bibles? Would you go to John? 
We're not moving ahead in John. In fact, we're moving backwards for today. I woke up on Thursday night. Let me pray first. God, I, I once again stand here and I, I have this sense of, of stepping into a privilege I don't deserve. To be part of, of something that you are doing. To have your attention and your love. It, it's incredible. I, I say, wow, you are good, God. We, we have sang about and celebrated your goodness today. Wow. Thank you that you are here and present and working. Thank you for your scriptures that we, we have read these things again and again. Many of us can quote things from memory. And yet, you, you once again take us back to your word and there are fresh things to find in places we have been over again and again. I pray that you would make that the experience for us this morning, where, where we return to, to verses we have seen, and yet you have something more to say because, because you are great, and your greatness, as the Psalms say, is unfathomable. We're not going to get to the depths of God, but we're going to go deeper. Lord, would you take us deeper this morning? I pray that you would purge everything in me and in this message that might, might be less than what you deserve. And would you, would you plant and sustain the, the things that are from you in, in me and in the lives of those that are hearing now, um, that you might have your way, that, that we might grow up into the full stature, the full measure of who Jesus is, because you're calling us to nothing, nothing less than that. And what a gift it is. Lord, we come once again out of gratitude. So we worship and praise you, Lord. Have your way here. In Jesus' name, amen. I woke up on Thursday night um, with with words <laughs> ringing in my head. And I, I couldn't tell you if they were something that had come from my ears or something that had come from my dreams or something that was just impressed upon me. It was there and it was gone, but it was so loud in a, in the sense of it was there. Um, however you would describe it. And there were the words, remember who you are. And I didn't know if that was for me or for you or for someone else or or what, you know, we've talked about English language doesn't differentiate between you, singular, and you, plural. Um, and I didn't get anything else, and so I quickly typed them into my phone. You got anything else? I wasn't hearing anything else. It was like, I don't know, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, so I went back to bed. Remember who you are. But I opened my Bible the next day and in, in preparation for coming here um, with these words still ringing in my head. Remember who you are. And so I just started in John 1, verse 1, and asked the Lord to show me what he was talking about. And verses 
sort of popped out. And there are times where maybe you have really profound experiences where like the words leap off the page. For me, it's often so subtle. I mean, the remember who you are, that was pretty heavy. But most of the time, when I hear from God, it is so subtle, it can easily be missed. Um, I had a, a, an acquaintance growing up in elementary school that was blind. And one day he, he talked in front of the class about how he learned, learned to read Braille. Have you ever seen Braille? <laughs> These little, little bumps. And it, it takes a great deal of time and sensitivity to learn Braille. And this kid flew. He read his Braille book to us with his finger running along those bumps as quickly as I could read the passage to you. But it takes time and it takes sensitivity. And so when I say that the words, uh, as I was working through uh, John, uh, there were certain verses that that stood out, but it, it, it stood out to the level of Braille, which isn't much. Right? And so I say that to you as an encouragement that, that we are to be people who grow in sensitivity to the spirit and that it takes time. So don't beat yourself up if words don't seem to leap off the page to you. And if you don't hear the booming voice of God, most of the time, it's, it's Braille for me anyway. And so my, my quest for, for more of God and in hearing God and responding to God, as much as I have often asked him to increase the volume, even more often what I've had to do since he hasn't really increased the volume is say, okay, then I need to learn sensitivity. You see that? If he's choosing not to up the volume, then something in me needs to change. So a few verses somewhat stood out. Remember who you are. They're related to that in some way. I'm going to walk through them pretty quickly, and I'm going to share. This is pretty autobiographical. I'm going to, I'm going to share first what I, I think I was hearing for myself from these scriptures. And so you're going to have to do some parallel learning where you, you notice the way that God has been speaking to Ben, and it might in some way parallel with your life, your life individually. But then after having gone through what he was saying to me personally, um, I'm going to once again revisit those same things with remember who you are corporately. Because I, what I discovered was that the same things actually applied. So would you go to John chapter 2? We're going to start at verse 13. Now the Passover, the Passover of the Jews was near. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. Notice the exclamation points here. He, he's not whispering to them. His disciples remembered that it is written, and here's what jumped out at me. Here's my braille. Zeal for your house will consume me. I'm going to keep going, actually. 
the Jews said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? And Jesus said to them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years. Will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. And I started asking God about what, do you, what are you identifying here? Remember who you are. It is this word zeal that came out. Don't forget the work I've done in your life, Ben. You are an apathetic pastor. That's what you are. I remember being an apathetic pastor. I will not forget the work that he has done in my life and the degree of passion that he has put in me for Jesus. I love Jesus so much now. And we are called to be a people who are passionately in love with Jesus. He is amazing. And it took a crisis, but he changed me. And he's still, I'm not, I have not arrived in any capacity. And I have more there. I'm, I am in some ways more aware of the places that still need to change than I was before. But I remember being an apathetic pastor. And he put in zeal. Jesus here takes on religion. He takes on the status quo. But he does it out of a deep and abiding passion for his father and his father's work. Zeal for your house. Zeal for who you are, God. Where do you get that? Where do you get zeal? Some of you have asked me this recently, and I have fumbled through answers. There's an answer in this text. Someone asked me, asked Joel as well recently, um, you guys seem so hungry. Where'd it come from? It came out of desperation, complete and utter desperation that God had to change me. But there's another place that it came out of and it's related to desperation. And it's here in this text. It's a zeal for your house will consume me. That's a metaphor of fire, right? It's, it's a metaphor of things getting burned up. As in, the, if you want more of God, there's going to be less of you that can go with you to God. Does that make sense? Your, our passion for God, our zeal for God is measured by the, the amount of sacrifice we will make for him. And not will make for him. I misspoke there. We are making for him. You want passion for God? Get desperate and make sacrifice. It will cost. 
it will cost. Zeal for God's house costs Jesus everything. The passage goes on to say it costs Jesus his very life. It's worth it. Everything it has cost in this last couple of years of pursuing God has been worth it. So hard. I've lost friends. This place isn't as full as it was. It's cost time, an incredible amount of time. There's been an emotional toll that gets taken in prayer as you pour yourself out and say, you have to fill me, you have to change me, you have to do a work here. But having been asked at times by people, where does the passion come from? It comes from desperation and sacrifice, but it also comes from meeting him in those things. Remember the zeal. Remember that it will cost. We only get the degree of God that we want to the degree that we are. We only get the amount of God that we want. I don't know quite how to put this to the degree we're willing to sacrifice. It is take up your cross. I have said a number of times, God is not here to add bonuses to our already awesome lives. He's here to ask us for everything we hold most dear. We get something back in return that is absolutely incredible. More of him. It's awesome. Let's go to the next one. John 3, 27 to 30. John the Baptist is speaking to, to people who have asked him, what's going on? More people are going to Jesus than to you. And John answers, no one can receive anything except what has been given him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase. I must decrease. What? What leapt out at me was actually not that last line, not this time, though we have quoted it so often. It was sent ahead. Remember, you're sent ahead. And I really, really, really wrestled with this one. Um, 
because it sounds arrogant. But every time that God moves, what he does is take people, pastors, leaders, prophets, apostles, spies moving into the promised land, every move of God is preceded by someone he sends ahead, people he sends ahead, groups he sends ahead to get people ready. That's John the Baptist's role. He, he's someone going ahead, but it's for the sake of the people who are coming, and it's for the sake of the move of God that is coming. So John the Baptist defines his relationship as uh, um, his, excuse me, his calling in terms of, uh, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. God is coming. And, and what God has been speaking to me about is that we are called, I, I am called, there's a group of people here who are being called to call people to the recognition that God is coming here. Um, we, we sometimes think of pastors as the people and leaders as the pe people put in positions to make sure programs happen to make sure that, that things are looked after and that um, you know, it, it's the, the, the manager, the CEO, it's that kind of thing. What God is doing here is taking leaders instead and saying, you have to call people to get ready because there's more coming here than you realize. God himself is coming. And I'm telling you that, that God himself is coming to unity in ways that we can't actually imagine. And it's, it has, <laughs> and stop putting all your eggs in the hope mission basket. If you want to see where God is coming here, look at some of the people who've gone ahead and the, the fruit of their lives. And remember, it's for the sake of others. Okay, last one. And then I'm going to circle back to us. John chapter 1. Starting at verse 35. The next day, John the Baptist again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here's the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him and said this. Uh, they heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and saw them following them, following him, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said, Rabbi, translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. And they came, and they saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. Stop there. Going back to Ontario, um, was a, in some ways, a pretty hard time the, the first week I was there. I was recognizing that I was tired and I was grieving something, but I couldn't figure out why I was tired and what I was grieving. And I'm not going to tell the whole story here. Um, but what God started to do was meet me and show me that I was tired because I had been pursuing, 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 pursuing him. And I'd missed the second part. 
of what's going on here in this verse. They sought him and then they stayed with him. And I hadn't found the rest that is the counterpart of pursuit. I hadn't found the rest with him that comes by enjoying his company and simply celebrating who he was, that it was more, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go. And God responds to those things, but he waited until I had almost run out of gas and said, you're not very good at the abiding thing. (laughs) You're tired because you haven't found rest in me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Jesus says to the most religious people on the face of the earth at that time. Right? There's rest in him, but it means coming to him. Not just pursuing him for more that he will give, more that he will reveal, more that he can do, etc., etc. As much as those are good and right and proper things. Oh, man. When I, when I heard him say this, when he, he, he showed it to me, and it, it took time. I had to unplug. This didn't come in a moment. It, it, I am, what I am doing is paraphrasing a, a fair amount of time spent in prayer and silence and solitude and asking and waiting for God. It wasn't simply something that he dropped in a couple of sentences. And I was, I was properly um, rebuked that I'm, I, I've become okay, not bad at, at the pursuit thing, but not very good at the abiding thing. The word here that is translated uh, remain or abide with him is the same one in John 15, where John says to his disciples, I am the vine and you are the branches remain in me, abide in me. Same word. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I wasn't spending enough time simply being in his presence. So I wasn't getting the renewal that comes from that. Remember who you are. Zealous. called ahead for the sake of others. But someone who abides, you and I are not our religious accomplishments. You and I are not the sum total of the virtue that we have somehow managed to patch together by struggling to be holy as he is holy. Our value and identity are not found in what we accomplish for God any more than your, your children's value is accomplished by what they provide for you. Your, your children's value comes because of your kids. And I lost that. And he had to remind me that I was, I was valued and, and my value was increasing simply by being told, I just want you to be with me. And it's not even for the sake of conversation. It, it's just for the sake of, I want to be together. It's really good. 
Let me come back to Unity now. Zeal. We need to have infectious passion for Jesus. And I am seeing that happen here. Where the hunger for God becomes something that other people go, I want that. I don't necessarily know how to get it. Help me find it. But there, there's this increasing in, infectious hunger for more of Jesus. And we have to be that kind of people. And it, it will come as we together will say more of you at any cost, God. Are, are we willing to pray that prayer, not only individually, but corporately? More of you at any cost. Because he told us, he told this community, I am coming to fill unity. You need to empty yourselves. Will we do that at any cost? This is a community called to go ahead and prepare the way for something that God is doing that is about to go far beyond this community. I don't even know how to put it. But there's a sort of a growing confidence that I have that what God wants to do is not simply in this community, this church. It's so much wider than that. And again, I'm not talking about hope mission. I'm talking about the spiritual things God is doing here among us. It, it is a pointer. When you connect the dots, they form an arrow to so much, something so much bigger. He is calling this church to go ahead. Um, let, me give you, let me tell you a little bit more about what I mean. I sometimes network with some of the, the pastors in our, our denomination that the things that we have experienced here and that God has led us into step by step, whether it is um, a pursuit and being filled with the spirit or whether it is things like healing, prophecy, or um, you know, listening prayer, which is part of that, they're not really happening in our wider circles. And in a couple of places where I've seen it, it's, it is shared with a certain amount of almost embarrassment that, yeah, it, it does kind of happen. We keep it under wraps. Um, it never, it, it, it just doesn't, it's not valued the way that it's valued in Scripture. In fact, I've been told by pastors at times that you should change your language and you shouldn't talk about prophecy because that's a word that sends people away. And the problem is that if I use alternative words, I, have no longer been, I am no longer able to equip people to find it in Scripture and learn what Scripture has to say about it. So all of that to say, um, there, what God is doing here, he is doing here for more than here, more than us. It's called to something more. And it, it is always, God, when God sends people ahead, it is always for the sake of others. So if you consider yourself a leader in any form, leadership is always in this sense of walking forwards while looking backwards at the people you are leading.
that we call them, we invite them. Come, come on, we're going this way. We're going this way, come on. It, you you got to see how good this is. Look how good he is. It's this invitation, but it, it's with this ongoing attention to the people to whom we have been sent. God is not coming here to bless unity for the sake of unity. Abide. A couple of weeks ago, um, Noah Kadju has been training uh, this group that's meeting on Sunday night to, to hear God, and he's done it in ways that we've never tried here before. So one of the things that he had us do was have a couple of people stand and face the wall, and then the, the remainder of us went and tapped one person on the shoulder um, without them knowing who it was that tapped them on the shoulder. And the person facing the wall had to pray to God and ask them for something that he wanted to share with the other individual. And you would be shocked at how many of those, um, as people shared what they had heard from God, got specific things for other people. It was awesome. Let me give you an example. Um, I tapped Roy Crawford on the shoulder. And he shared some things. He said, this person, I didn't tell him who it was. So when it's his time to share, he's sharing for the group. And he says, this person has been called to do this, this, and this in the community. It has to do the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get into that. It was bang on. But what he said at the end was, oh, and there's one more thing that's not related to that. He said, God wants you to know that he loves you. Now, that might sound like a really generic word. It applies to everyone. It's obviously true. It applies to everyone. You know what what made it not generic, specific? On the way in that night, God said to me in the car, you need to learn to be loved by me. Because I've got this performance equals love thing going on. Soul care is still trying to work it out of me. (laughs) We're working on that. You should all do soul care. It's really good. Um, Because I'm not loved because of my performance. And he, he was talking to me in the car about, you need to learn to be loved by me. And then he confirms it through someone else. We need to become a community that learns learns simply to abide as much as to pursue. We are commanded in scripture to pursue prophecy and other greater spiritual gifts. Commanded. It's one of my ongoing frustrations with certain parts of the church that we've ignored those verses. But we are also commanded to abide And we have to learn, at least I do, and if you resonate with this, we're at least going to practice this for a moment. We have to learn to simply be loved. Not not be loved once I have come and brought my perfect offering. Not, Not to be loved after I've given him all the worship that I think he deserves. And now maybe he will return some love. No, I I come to be loved because I'm made in his image and he loves me. That's it. That is going to take time. It's learning Braille. It's learning to be more sensitive to the spirit because it's not so easy 
to simply sit and be loved by one who is very hard to see and perceive at times. Well, we're going to practice this now. But it's going to mean that you and I start giving time simply to allowing God to love us. And we're going to practice that through communion. So I'm not going to lead you through the typical liturgy. I'm not going to say and do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to ask you to take these elements and I'm going to give us five minutes, which is going to seem like an eternity to some of you. But I'm going to ask you to take these elements at any point within those, those, that block of time that we are giving, but to use this as an invitation to say to God, show me how to abide and receive your love. Does that make sense? I didn't get a single nod. Oh, dear. Does that make sense? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. This is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave himself as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I leave you to invite, do it this way, if you are so led. Picture the Lord in front of you. Do it with your eyes open, do it with your eyes closed, whatever. Picture the Lord in front of you and simply sit in his presence. If he chooses to speak, let him. But watch him love you. Receive his love. I'll give you five minutes. Okay, maybe an announcement in case I forget. Uh, would a few spry people with strong backs help us move that and this back downstairs following the service? We'd really appreciate that. Secondly, is, is there someone that wants to share? No, no. Is there someone who is being led to share a testimony now? Still learning Braille. That's okay. I am still learning Braille is what I mean. So maybe I missed that one. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace and his presence and his renewal and and new ways to abide in him that you have never before dreamed of that you find new life in his spirit and in his presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace. Blessings to all of you.